Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Love and Profit Show. So glad you're here listening. I can't wait to share today's show because I'm having a discussion with Meredith Walters, who is an incredible heart-centered career coach from Atlanta, Georgia, and she's been helping people for years find careers that they love, finding those intuitive, heartfelt connections to the work that they really want to do in the world. And uh, at this point, she's helped hundreds of people, and she has amazing advice for us for, for as we look to find the careers we want. How do we, how do we navigate this crazy economy of, of you know, less full-time jobs and more freelancers and more people working for themselves? Uh, I can't wait to hear what Meredith has to say about that, about what she's learned helping other people, and also for herself. She's worked for herself for, for several years now. So this is going to be a great discussion if you're trying to figure out what you want to do next in this uh, crazy game we call work. Okay, let's do it. So welcome, Meredith. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Okay, awesome. So I'm going to ask you some big questions, you know, like mm-hmm. what have you learned from all these people? You know, what have you... What have you learned working for yourself? But first, why don't we just talk about, you know, what are your, what are you noticing right now? You know, that's, that's a, 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 for me, that's a really interesting place to start. I like to start with what's really uh, live for you right now in the work that you're doing with people figuring out their career, coaching them, doing groups. Yeah. What are you noticing is showing up at the moment? Yeah. Well, I think, um, kind of on a personal level, I feel like more more people are waking up to this question of what do I want or what is my gift to give the world and not just um, accepting kind of the what's been handed to them in terms of what other people expect of them or what feels like the safe move or what feels like the expected move, what society thinks is good. So this question feels like it's coming up for more and more people. And I actually feel like the economy, while you can look at it as like more people are getting laid off, you know, more work is going from full time to like you were saying to contracting and, um, and that can be really traumatic in when you're in the middle of it. But I think it also points to this opportunity, um, where I say often the, you know, the universe is conspiring to help us, um, do things we couldn't do on our own. And some, a lot of times that happens where people get laid off and, um, have the opportunity to explore this question more deeply, whereas they may not have taking the initiative to do it on their own. So I kind of feel like there's an internal waking up and then an external shift that's supporting it. Again, I don't want to belittle how um, traumatic or difficult or challenging it can be in the moment. If you do lose your job or you don't know what you want to do next, um, it can be very, very um, painful. But it um, ultimately, I, I think, helps this process of waking up that's happening. Hmm. I really like you know what you said about uh, this these rules about society, what other people expect of us, or what we've been kind of handed, and how they influence our decisions. And we find ourselves in a place that it's like, did I really choose this? You know, and then and then this idea that it's actually can be an amazing blessing when that falls away, yeah. because now we have an opportunity to choose what we actually do want. Yeah. And so you're, so you're seeing that happen with people directly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, um, it's like, we get this little nudge, you know, and, and, uh, encouragement because if, if someone enjoys a lot of success, it can take a long time for them to realize, wait, I, I don't think this is what I actually want. This is just what was kind of mm. expected of me. Um, sometimes these jarring events when they come, uh, they can help, help it, help that process happen sooner. Um, and I think, okay. Yeah. yeah, no, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that was something really interesting that you just said that someone's having what the, this 
physical experience of what they, they think success is, you know, maybe it's like a big title or a big salary or something. I'm, I'm guessing that's what you're talking yeah. about. Am I, yeah. am I right? Yeah. And then, and then they, they real it's so when they're in that situation, it actually takes them longer to realize is not what they really want. Yeah. So what's, what's going on there? Well, I often think about it in terms of my own history and I had a really mm. big disruption in my, in my mid twenties where, um, I, I had huge depression and anxiety, panic attacks, and it felt like a huge breakdown. I mean, it was a huge breakdown. And before that I had, I had managed it with, um, medication and antidepressants and I didn't feel depressed up to that point, but I kind of just went along with my life in this kind of low level misery. And I probably would have been happy mm. to go along in that low level misery for ever. Um, if I hadn't had this huge disruption of, um, actually I went off meds and then the depression came back and, um, after that, meds didn't do the same thing that they did before, which at the time felt horrible, um, but ended up leading me on this path where I had to find new ways of, of dealing with it and facing. So getting curious about, so what's underlying this? What, it, you know, why did this happen? What's going on? And getting help um, was a big part of it and being willing to um, ask for help and willing to ask those questions and get curious and find, be open to new ways of doing things and not just going over the same old thoughts in my head that were, you know, um, Part of the problem. So anyway, um, that disruptor led me not only to um, learn so much about myself and um, open up new possibilities for myself and change patterns, but it also led me to this path of um, coaching. So it, it led me into a new career and opened up all kinds of possibilities for me that um, I wouldn't have chosen, you know, willingly. <laughs> um, but but that disruptor <laughs> really really helped me. Um, find myself and find my way. And so I see that in clients all the time where disruptive events come up. Um, if they were, if they were just successful and, you know, everything looked good and they, they met all their goals and everything was going well for them. Um, it would take them a lot longer for sure. Uh, I like that you're calling this experience ju just a disruptor, kind of, kind of a, ne a neutral term that shakes things up. You know, you're not labeling this experience as bad, you know, that this deep depression that you had and, and the words you used, about the medication were really interesting. I literally just like a day ago watched uh, Jim Carrey talking about his depression, mm -hmm. you know, the actor and comedian. And mm -hmm. he used almost the exact same words. You know, he, he was put on medication for a while to deal with it. And he said that it was just like the medication made him feel less depressed, but life felt like a constant low level of despair, mm -hmm. you know, and you, you, you talked about like constant low level of, of misery. And then, and then you, you sounds like you got off meds and went to a, a, so your depression came back and it was, it was felt worse, but in that, that depth of your experience, those depth of feeling, that's when you started to ask new questions Yeah, and that sort of began the process of you finding something completely new. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I want to be clear. I went back on meds at that point. They didn't take away the depression like they had before, but they helped it be less intense so that I could ask those questions. So I think medication can have a great role in this when yeah. it can help us to, to get to the layer beneath it that we, that we need to get to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I was not trying to say everybody get off your bed. Yeah, yeah. I was not trying no, to. I do. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know you were. It's just, I try to be very clear when I talk about it and I have gone off meds since then. But um, but it was an important part of my process, both first in terms of just um, denying, you know, what was there and then in terms of working through it. Isn't it isn't it weird that we humans sometimes need these giant shakeups to like to look more carefully? You know, it, it seems like they, I noticed this pattern over and over again. In fact, some of the some of the you know spiritual teachers who I love all have this story of just being knocked to their to their knees 
by by life. Mm-hmm. And then in that moment is when they, they, they realize later that that moment was the greatest gift because that's when they found their new path. I mean, I'm talking Byron Katie, you know, was absolutely depressed. Her relationships with her family were destroyed. She has a story of just not even caring about herself enough to get in a bed. She was just laying on the floor mm-hmm. in heaps of depression. That's And that's when her insights started. You know, Eckhart Tolle, he has this, uh, he, you know, he was depressed for two years and kind of homeless. He was living on a, like living on park benches and friends' houses and stuff before he, he had this major insight. You mm-hmm. know, uh, uh, Neil Donald Walsh lost everything in his life. He, he lost uh, his his relationship. His his wife left him, and he and he you know he he, he I remember he, in his story he had his car was the only thing he had left in his life, and then one day he he like he left a friend's house where he was staying and he, cause he couldn't stay there anymore. And he was going to go sleep in his car and he came out and he saw that his car had been stolen. And like, literally that was the only thing he had left. And then he became like a street person for a year before he started having his insights. I mean, you know, what, what's going like, do we, do we need to wait for, for like some life cataclysm before we get, you know, before we can find our path? Like, do does this, is this the only way it can happen? Um, I don't think so, but I think pain is a great, um, it gets our attention, right? And so a lot of times before we've done the work, that's what it, we, we need is a lot of pain. And the, the, I used to think, be really proud that I had a high tolerance for pain until I realized that was kind of dumb because it just <laughs> meant I was stubborn and hitting my head against the wall 500 different ways. Um, but I think, you know, pain does wake us up and it's just like, you know, physical pain alerts us that there's something that we, needs our attention. If we touch something hot, we need to move our hand. Uh, we tend to pathologize pain and, and see it as like, if I'm in pain, I must have done something wrong, right? Something must be wrong. When in reality, pain is actually just a healthy response to something, to, to something that needs our attention. And emotional pain is the same. It just something needs our attention. And if we, if we follow the pain, we can, we can find out what it is and get curious about it. It's, it's a sign of a healthy system. Um, so I think, um, but I, I do, I also find that the longer I have been doing this work, the less tolerance I have for pain. So now it used to take a lot, a lot of pain to wake me up, right? Immense amounts of pain for me to actually stop and say, okay, what's going on here? Getting curious and getting open. Now it's like I start to feel, it's almost like I'm more allergic to it. I notice it and I'm like, oh, I don't want, I don't want to deal with that. So what's going on? And I'll stop and stop and look and feel and sense. And, um, and so I think, I used to think of it as my, um, my intuition or my inner wisdom was like, would like whisper in my ear and I'd be like, yeah, whatever, I don't care. And then it would, you know, kind of say it a little louder and I'd still ignore it. And then it would tap me on the shoulder and I'd brush it off. And then it would, you know, kind of push me a little bit and I'd be like, what, what was that? And then it wasn't until it really like tripped me up when I fell on my face that I'd stop and listen. <laughs> what do you have? Okay. What do you have to say? You know? So you're, you're, it's like our, our inner messages, it sounds like they give us lots of chances. To, and it sounds like that maybe if we do find ourselves in a situation where we have some big breakdown, you know, maybe if we look back, there were signs mm-hmm. that, you know, that we can listen to. And maybe if we try to get a little bit more sensitive to what our in- intuition is telling us, we can pick up a message before it becomes like a giant cluster F in our life. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. very often I'll have clients who say we're let go from a job and they'll say, you know, I was thinking about leaving this job or I was wondering if, you know, or I, I've always wanted to do this other thing and I never, you know, I never pursued it. And so it's like the, the, the clues are there or they're just miserable in it. Right. I can't tell you how many clients I've had that were let go from jobs. They just hated. 
and made them want to vomit when they went to every day, but still they went every day. Right. So yeah, there's, there's very often clues. If you, if you listen to the story behind it, (laughs) that should be a clue. If on your way to, if you're about to go to work and you feel like vomiting, take note. I love what you said about how pain is a healthy response. It's trying to get, it's trying to draw your attention to something that's not working. Like it's, and that, I I've totally see that in my life, the other, the other way of thinking that you also mentioned has been part of my thinking, this idea that my pain means there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, I'm upset with the situation or I feel bad about the situation. What's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Why can't I do it right? Why can't I figure this out? Why can't I fix myself? Mm-hmm. You know? And you're saying like, Oh no, no, there's another way to look at this. It could just be like, Hey, you're this, this feeling is just showing you, Hey, Hey buddy, just course correct a little bit. You know, yeah. like this is, you're going in a direction you don't like, you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to blame, you don't have to create this story about how sh- sucky you are. You're just going in a direction you don't like. So just listen to that and let's think about what direction you would actually want. That's kind of what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's a great way of putting it. Hmm. Yeah. And I'm glad that you, uh, you know, you are affirming, we don't all need to have some, you know, some, uh, Neil Donald Walsh level, you know, epic <laughs> life collapse to be able to figure this. I, I've found the same thing in my life where the more I work on myself, the more I get in touch with who I really am on the inside, the more I work with my emotions and basically live from my spirit, try to live from my heart, mm-hmm. the, the more sensitive I am to these signals. And now it's, it's the same, like, uh, whereas, whereas also in even, you know, uh, going back in my life, even just, uh, several years, it would take, like, I was tolerating lots of pain, you know, before I would actually look at what was wrong. But now, as you say, I will just feel, I'll feel a subtle sense of something is not aligned with me. Mm-hmm. And that's enough for me to consider what's going on and pick the thing that is aligned with me before it even turns into time, you know, time that I've spent, energy that I've spent, resources that I've spent, before it even turns into a path that I've gone down. And I feel like that, that, uh, you know, that level of cultivating that sensitivity, which is something anybody can do, right? Just mm-hmm. through, trying to feel yourself more just for things like meditation or mindfulness or even writing exercises, right? Mm-hmm. Things anybody can cultivate that sensitivity and you can set yourself on a line path so much more quickly before you find yourself down a road that turns into like a cataclysm. Would you, would you agree with that? Or? Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think, um, it's easy for me. I don't know about you, but, but my, you know, my inner critic, my, my storytelling, likes to attach itself to this new thing too. So it's like, Oh, now that you know how to listen to yourself, you should do it perfectly. Right. And you should never oh, go yeah. down. You should never step in the wrong direction or you should never like handle anything with less than, you know, perfect spiritual enlightenment. But so <laughs> it's, it's helpful for me to also remember like, okay, I'm human. I'm still going to step wrong. Right. Part of me trusts. part of me gets all this part of me listens. And then part of me is my ego and it's just going to keep like pushing for what feels safe. And, and so I'm going to, so I, I still, you know, make the wrong step sometimes. But again, like you were saying, it's, it's, I find it really helpful to pull the judgment out of it and pull that, pull that away from the idea that I've done something wrong or the shame around it and just know, okay, this is what happens. And unfortunately I have this great system that tells me when I've gone off course, I get depressed, I get anxious. And this looks like different things for different people. Not everyone's depressed or anxious, but there's usually some level of discomfort. And it's like this perfect, um, GPS system that, that'll let me know. And, and I can keep going in the wrong direction as much as I want. Um, you know, I have a meditation teacher who, you know, every time I talk about something, an old habit, she's like, yeah, well, you can do that. And it's, it's like that. Yeah, you can do that. You can go down the wrong path. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just painful. You're just going to con- create more pain for yourself. So, um, 
So yeah, the sooner I listen, um, the sooner I can get back onto the regular path. But it's important for me to remember that it's also okay to take those wrong steps. Sometimes I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to get it perfect because I will, the discomfort will, I'll be, I'll know, right. There are signs that'll show me and I'll be pulled back onto the right path. And I think that's, that's where I just start to get really amazed by our, how we're designed to self-correct and we're designed to reconnect with ourselves when we go off path. If we listen, we just have to be willing to listen. It's so empowering what you're saying. You know, it's, it's, I love that we're taking this conversation outside of uh, right and wrong, you know, it reminds me of that Rumi quote, yeah. know, beyond ideas of right and wrong. Like there's a field. I'll meet yeah. you there. Yeah. You know? I love that. I love that quote because it, you know, all our ideas of right and wrong are these, these just judgments that we have, you know, societal judgments, mental judgments. Yeah. And I love what you're saying it, that, that like we can't do it wrong because we, if we take a decision, we find ourselves there. We can just figure out how we feel in that decision and then course correct and then figure out how we feel in that decision yeah. and then do the next thing. Yeah. And, and it's like, it's not about getting it right or wrong. It's about whether we're willing to listen uh, to what, to what feels good in our heart, yeah. whether, and, and we can make choices that are aligned with that and feel more good in our hearts. So that's, it's, it's really empowering this idea that, that like, we don't have to worry about making some huge mistake, Yeah, you know, and there, and there, I'm sure you've encountered so many examples of people who thought they had made a huge mistake, you know, or, yeah. or felt like they'd made a big mistake, but then turns out, Oh, this was, this was exactly what they needed to find what they really want or something like this. Yeah, exactly. I often say that the, the most direct route between two points is not usually a straight line, right? We think that mm. we, when we make a wrong turn. We're wasting all this time and energy, but off very often that wrong turn is actually what's going to help us get to where we want to go fastest. And, mm. um, you know, yeah, I, I do. I see it again and again. There's really no way to get it wrong. And that's um, really important to get. It's so freeing when you when you kind of understand that um, and start to see it. But, you know, I had I, I had a, a woman that I worked with who she was interested in um, taking portraits of painting portraits of pets. And um, but she kind of turned away from that and pursued a different career for a while. Um, but it kept coming back up and people kept asking her to, you know, paint portraits of her pets. And so she was at this point where she was making a decision and um, and it came back up for her again. But, the, you know, it's like the um, the world doesn't abandon you just because you you turn off your path. Like it'll mm. keep it'll keep offering. And same thing with me and writing. You know, I wrote a novel when I was 12 and I loved it. I mean, I used to just come home from school every day and just sit at the computer for hours. And it was just pure bliss for me. Um, and then I entered this novel. I was so excited to share this novel. And I entered it into my school's book contest, which are, you know, the books are usually like 20 pages long and there are a lot of illustrations. And I had to actually do illustrations for my novel for it to qualify for the contest. So it wasn't the normal type of entry. And it got the lowest, second to lowest possible marks in the, um, mm. and so, so I was, I was devastated, right? I was just so, mm. and I just thought like, you know, this thing that I thought was, I did that was great was clearly not. And so I, I stopped writing. I mean, I wrote here and there short stories for a little bit. And then eventually I just stopped writing because I thought I wasn't any good at it. Um, and I turned my back on it for a long time, for, for decades. But, um, but eventually I came back to it and I started writing short stories again a couple of years ago. And then the idea for a novel came and I've been working on it again. And it's just so fulfilling. But now I have all of those years, you know, um, resources and images and ideas that are, that are coming into that time that I, that I took a break. So it, it, you can always go back to it and, and, and you, yeah, you can never get it wrong because you'll, you, you can always, um, rediscover it, reconnect. Mm, I love this. I love this story. So you were, you wrote this novel. you got just your, your heart got crushed, mm -hmm. but you know, you're in bliss, blissfully writing this novel and then the feedback crushed you. Mm -hmm. Now, now of course, 
if you were an adult, you know, in that, in that time, like if you, if, you know, if you, we were working with someone, let's say who that happened to, where they just felt such bliss, uh, doing an activity, but then they got some negative feedback. You know, I mean, we, we would tell them the important thing is not the, the feedback. The important thing is how amazing you felt doing that activity. Mm-hmm. But of course, when we're kids, we can't, you know, we, we don't know that we can't do that. And so you had your heart crushed and it's in this most sensitive of years, you know, 12 years old, you're trying to figure out, you know, the, the whole, you know, social scene, mm-hmm. teenage, teenage, uh, teenage hood starting. So yeah, that must've been a devastating blow. And then for, and then for years, you know, you put it aside, became this, this, uh, incredible coach. And then I started, I remember when you, you, you know, cause I follow you on uh, your website, which for everybody who's interested, it's meredithwalters.com. And I'm going to post a link to that. Uh, Walters is uh, W-A-L-T-E-R-S. So you can um, find her online because I remember when your short story started to come in your blog, Mm -hmm. you know, you were blogging about career issues and, you know, uh, emotions and career and your own stuff and what you were learning from your clients. And then, and then all of a sudden this short story came out, you know, Mm -hmm. about the little one. Uh And I was like, what? And I started, (laughs) I remember reading it and I was like, this is amazing. This is like, this is this incredible allegory, you know, of, for someone needing to search for themselves in this whole fictional world. And I remember talking to you about it and, and you were like, oh yeah, I'm just, I've just, this fiction stuff feels really good. And now, and then we talked recently and you told me that uh, we tried to have a meeting to record this podcast on a Friday, and you said, "No, I can't do Friday because Friday is a is my sacred commitment to my novel writing time." And I was like, "I was I thought that was so awesome uh-huh. that first of all you saw it as a sacred commitment because it is. I mean, what's coming through us and what brings us that bliss that's coming through us that energy. I mean, that's our soul talking to us. At least how I see the world. So uh-huh. for me, it really it is a sacred commitment, and then that you, that you really were honoring that every week. So Tell, tell us about that, you know, for, for anyone out there who has this, you know, this bliss, uh, some blissful activity that they want to do more. Tell us how you came up with this sacred commitment idea and how you do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a great question. Cause I think I do talk to a lot of people who, um, have a, they say I have a, I'm passionate about X, Y, or Z, but I can't make a living off of it. Right. So then it's like, that's it. That's, I'm done. There's nothing I can do. And there's so many other options in between. And often it's a long road to, um, make, money off of our passions, right? It can take time to set that up and to build it. Um, and that was true with me for coaching. And it's also now, you know, and it's true for writing as well. But I just, um, I had this, so after writing the little one series for a while, I was getting back into it. And I just remembered how much I love writing fiction. And so, um, but I, I thought I would, I've, I've always told myself ever since that novel, when I was 12, I've told myself, I don't have what it takes to write a novel, right? I just, mm. I, my mind doesn't work in that way. I don't have ideas that are big enough, that are long enough, that are complex enough. I don't know how to build character, how to build a story. But then I was, um, I was walking and I had this idea. Um, and, uh, I, I was, I saw this Robin and this Robin just, which is a a bird. I don't know if people like, I don't know how widespread (laughs) Robins are, but anyway, I saw this bird and it had this this look in its eye and it just seems like it knew something, you know, like it was, and it just was deeper than I had, than I had seen before in a, in a bird. And, um, and I had this thought, you know, how some people think like, um, we uh, were reincarnated, you know, there's this, like through the animal kingdom and then the, the humans are at the highest level of reincarnation as we accumulate good karma and um, we, we eventually can become human. And I thought, you know, what if it's the other way around? Like, what if we go through lifetimes and lifetimes acquiring wisdom and then we become animals? Because sometimes I feel like animals can, can really harbor this wisdom 
as well. So anyway, mm. I had, I, I had that. And then this idea for a novel came to me and, um, and I just, it just felt so right. And so I would go on walks and I would kind of develop the idea and, um, you know, my story, the story I told myself aside that I couldn't do it, it just came easily. And I, and eventually over time built the structure. And then I tried different ways of doing it. Like I tried writing an hour every day and that didn't work for me because it's my brain doesn't switch very well from one task to the next. So finally I decided to try writing just one day a week. And so I, I scheduled all my work for the other days and, um, and that ended up working really well for me. Um, so the end of the week, I just, I have this full day to really get into it and, um, follow the flow of it. And, and that's, yeah, it's worked really well. Um, and I just, yeah, I love it. It's, it's so much fun. Man. Okay. So, so you, first of all, this is a, your story is a great example of, of what you said about how the universe doesn't abandon you. You know, yeah. I mean, you, you, you know, you were, you put, you had this story in your mind that you could never write a novel. You couldn't be a fiction writer for years and years and years. And then you developed, created this coaching business. And in your coaching business, you had the opportunity to write like mm -hmm. a blog and then you reconnected with your fiction. So in doing this other thing, you had a chance to reconnect mm -hmm. with, with what was it. And then you were just walking and had kind of like uh, those moment with an animal that gave you the idea for a novel. So that's a great example of the universe just kind of, you know, providing an, an opportunity for you to act on something inside of you. And it sounds like, you know, connecting this to our, our conversation before that you were sensitive enough, you know, with yourself and what lights you up to realize there was something here mm -hmm. because you could have, you could have just had that experience with the Robin and returned to the story of, no, I can't do this. I'll never be able to do this. So what do you think helped you not ignore it this time? Like, what do you think helped you not listen to that story in this, this case? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, Part of it, I think, was just having written the stories, the little one stories before. So I had a little bit more confidence built up from that. Um, and definitely a lot of it was just doing a lot of this work over time and seeing how my stories, I tell myself, are very often not true and being, being able to question them and being able to kind of feel into what's a, what's a deeper truth and, and that sensitivity you're talking about, developing that. Um, and then, you know, I have some people around me in my life that I, that I know, um, I can go to when I'm having doubts and they can help me, um, get a more grounded perspective of myself. So, um, I think just, yeah, having enough practice with that, um, at that time. And again, I've seen it over and over again where it's like this, this opportunity to expand, right? To grow past our, our self-limiting beliefs. It doesn't come, um, usually when we're not ready for it, it comes at when we can, when it's just on the edge, right? It's just a little bit of a stretch, but it's not too much of a stretch that we, um, abandon it. So, um, so yeah, it was just a question of good timing for me that it, that it came when I, I had kind of this foundation, foundation built. Okay. So you, you said kind of, you, you gave a list of things, which I think for any listeners out there would be a great starting point to just consider where, where you are with these things. You talked about, first of all, noticing that your brain creates stories and that you don't have to listen to those stories. Mm -hmm. So huge and in, in important insight. Our brain is all the tr time trying to make sense of the world and confirm its reality. And our brain is all the time throwing up thoughts based on our internal fears. And, you know, when, once we realize, once we see that our brain is doing that, we, we realize we don't have to listen to all those, all those thoughts. And so we can relax our, our attachment to those stories. So that's one thing. Second thing, that sensitivity, developing this sense of what's intuitively right for you in your heart, what feels good and makes you feel alive, what makes you feel free, what lights you up, you know, really exploring that. And then the third thing you mentioned was getting people around you 
that are that you can do like a get like a sense check. You know, people around you can keep you grounded and help you help talk through one of these things out, you know, talk an idea out and they can help you get a, uh, help you maybe by being a mirror and asking some good questions, you know, help you figure out who you really are, Mm -hmm. you know, and help you figure, I mean, that's obviously one of the best rules of coaching. That's why having a coach, you know, someone like you as a coach is so useful because, you know, you get to have that mirror that helps you see yourself so much more clearly. So it's like maybe those three things, is that kind of what you were saying helped you the most? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is, that's, that's great. I love what you said about how, if you're passionate about something, uh, you don't have to make it a a living right away. Just start doing it like you did with your fiction stories. And then you, you can find a way that it can bring so much bliss into your life. Mm -hmm. And then from that point, you can decide what you want to do, but just start getting the bliss in your life from this activity you love. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait. Just find a way to do it now. And that kind of reminds me of uh, Elizabeth Gilbert's story. You know, the writer of Eat, Pray, Love. She wrote this book called Big Magic, which is about creativity and the creative process. And I really, it's a great book. Uh, and uh, have you read that one? I you haven't. It's on my list, oh, yeah. but I haven't read it yet. Yeah. Highly, highly recommend. But in the, in this book, she talks about how she kept a day job until her second novel was already like published by a publisher. Mm -hmm. She had two novels officially published, you know, before she finally decided. And then I think she was getting like in advance and a contract for like her third one. And then she, then she finally decided, okay, I could maybe quit my day job now. Like, you know, so for her and and her writing commitment, you know, it started when she was like 11, you know, so around the same time as you, I mean, so it's like, you know, even, even someone as successful as her, she, she kept her writing kind of this set, this sacred commitment that she knew brought so much to her life without make adding the burden to it of it having to make money Mm -hmm. in the beginning, you know? And, and that's one thing she recommends that really, that really helped her out. And it sounds like, you know, you're kind of doing that too. I mean, you have this coaching business that's helping so many people doing this. Not, I mean, maybe one day, you know, I'll, we'll, you know, you'll turn into, uh, Meredith, the, you know, best-selling novelist. who knows? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Which, which would be lovely. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you never know. And I think it is really important to be able to do it from the joy of it and just do it for yourself. You know, for me, I, when I start to think about how are people going to react, is it going to make money? Will it get published? Like then I start to close down and I can't hear the story. So it helps me. And, and, you know, you talk about channeling and it really does feel like channeling when I'm writing because it doesn't, it's not like I'm sitting there inventing it. I, I'm listening for the story. Like I'm hearing the story that's out there and feeling it. Is it this? Is it that? And then using that sensitivity, I can kind of feel, no, it's not that. What about this? Yeah, that's it. And I can see it um, using that same sensitivity. Um, and so it, so, but the, that closes down as soon as I start thinking about, you know, is it going to make money? Are people going to like it? How many people are going to read it? Will it get published? And it's, it's, that's not helpful. So for me, I have to keep coming back to, this is a story that came to me. It's a gift. And I, and I say that to clients all the time too. This is a gift. Like, do not question how powerful it's going to be, how many people it's going to help. Your job isn't to figure that out. Your job is just to receive the gift and give it like that. That is, that is all you don't have to, if it helps one person, then it's worth it. Um, so anyway, I have this story. The story is a gift. I just need to tell it. That's it. That's my job. My job is to tell the story. Nothing else. Whatever happens from it, happens from it. And so, um, yeah, it's been lovely that I've had other ways to pay my bills as I'm doing this. And hopefully at some point this will help pay the bills too so I can do more of it. But all that matters is that I can do it. And, I, and that's, you know, a way has been shown to me that I can, that I can do it. So... 
you're just you're dropping like example of spiritual bomb after spiritual bomb. Right? And <laughs> there was so much in that in what you just said. There was like you were lining up with stuff from the Bhagavad Gita, from Hinduism. <laughs> I mean, there was so much in there. But so let me try to p- unpack what I like. One of the things is that you said as as soon as you know this creative act, it feels like this fluid this fluid gift coming through you, this fluid, you know, experience coming through you, you know, this idea of channeling and yeah, channeling, channeling is, uh, I've, I've heard a, a channel describe it as something anybody can do. You know, when we get into a real flow, when we let go of the outcomes, when we are just in the, it, doing an act for the sake of the act, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like how play is how, you know, when children are playing, they're playing for the sake of playing. They're not worried about what the outcome of their play is going to be, mm-hmm. right? What the result of their play is going to be, right? They're, they're just playing. They're just in an imaginative space and, and they're flowing and, and just blissfully in the moment. And so we can actually access that at any time in our life with, in, with these creative experiences that are kind of coming through us if we let them happen. And I like how you said that as soon as you got into the logistics, as soon as you got into the logical, rational mind of trying to figure out what it's going to be, how it's going to work, who's it's going to reach, you know, the, uh, it's kind of like that, that, that logical, rational, and also doubting side just shuts down the creative process. Mm-hmm. It just cl- uh, like cuts you off from that flow. And I thought that was, that was really good. And, and this idea of just getting the gift and giving it, and that's the job. I mean, so many spiritual teachers have talked about how being attached to outcomes negatively influences our experience, you know, and being, uh, and trying to get like the, thinking of, thinking of what our actions are going to get us, Mm -hmm. you know, is, is decreases how, how good we feel in the experience and decreases the ideal outcomes of our action. So uh, you're, you've just turned that into a really practical philosophy or kind of really practical statement. It's like, look, you're getting a gift. Your job is just give it. And then whatever happens, happens. But in the giving, that already is going to feel so good. Uh You know, that's what, that's what you're, you're experiencing. That's what, that's what I experience as well. Whenever I can get into that mode, sometimes, sometimes I can't, sometimes I'm, I am thinking like, okay, how is this going to turn into like a a course someone can buy or how are people going to pay for this group? You know what I mean? Like my mind goes there. I I very often get pulled out of this just giving space, but I can attest also when I'm just in the giving and writing something that I don't care what the outcome is just because I, I, it feels so good to express it and just imagining anybody encountering it just feels good. You know, then, then it's, it's like so much more of my life just makes sense when I can get into that mode. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that's a great way of putting it. And I think you're, um, yeah, a lot of your writing, cause I, I follow you as well. Like it's, it just, it is so helpful and it clearly comes from a place of just giving and not just, and not trying to figure it all, figure it all. And we all get pulled into that, right? We all, we, we have two sides. We have the, whatever you want to call it, the essential self, the true self, the divine, the, there's lots of words for it, but, um, and then we have the human side and we have both. So I'm, I'm, I, I really like the, teachers who say, you know, it's not about getting rid of the ego, you know, it's about being both. We're fully human and we're embracing both sides of us. So, um, yeah, we're going to get pulled into that because the, our ego wants to know how are we going to support ourselves? How are we going to feed ourselves? And I think for me, what one thing that has been helpful in that regard, of course I get pulled into that. And every time I expand in a new way and try to do something new or share, share something new with the world, yeah, I go into like, oh my God, you know, freaking out about money and how am I going to pay the bills and blah, blah, blah. So I get pulled into that too. But what helps for me is to see the bigger picture, which is that 
I have, you know, made a real effort to listen to what is being called for me and to give that and to follow that and trust it kind of regardless of where it leads. And, um, even, you know, no matter how much part of me is doubting along the way and doing the calculations and obsessing about my budget, <laughs> but I, I really try to follow that path. And I have been given, you know, a way to support myself enough money to live on from various sources in various ways and delinking it from like, okay, I coached this client and got this much money it makes it feel like it was up to me. Right. So then it's easy to fall into that trap of, I, so now I have to figure out how to make that much more money by finding another client. When in reality, I have so little control over clients. Like, Marketing people fully disagree with me, but I've tried so many different marketing things, you know, like, oh, guaranteed, if you do this, you'll eight out of 10, you'll get 10 calls and eight out of 10 people will sign up with you. That has never been my experience. My experience has been when I try to do something for marketing to get new clients, nothing happens. And then randomly, I'll get a client through a different channel, right? Like yeah. clients come to me, but not through my efforts, like where I can say I did this and then I got a client. So for me, that's that again, these disruptions that help us wake up sooner, right? That's frustrating. It makes me feel out of control. But at the same time, it's made me kind of realize like, okay, I'm not, I'm not so powerful that I can just wish up a client when I want one. Um, but clients come to me and enough clients come that I can support myself as I'm saying yes to this call, which, you know, whether it's through coaching or whether it's through writing, um, it's allowing me to say yes. So seeing that kind of bigger perspective, I'm answering the call. Enough money is showing up for me to support myself. Um, I, I try to come back to that as much as possible. Yeah. Does that well, make sense? Yeah, absolutely. In, in particular, the part where you said, you know, sometimes you get sucked into the, this idea that it's all up to me and it's up to this simple calculation of this client equals this much money and, oh, okay, that means I got to make 10 of those or whatever, right? And yeah. so that when we get pulled into that space, which is a fearful space that I also visit, you know, it's the where we're forgetting how everything is interconnected mm -hmm. and everything is actually one. We feel like this isolated, separate thing. And as you're saying, like sometimes it, when you relax that and you just open up to the idea that there's so many things flowing in my life and the universe is supporting me, then, oh, somewhere I never even thought of a client shows up. Right. You know what I mean? And now, and now I'm being taken care of as I do this work and taking care of other people and I'm being supported to do what I need to do next, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's, it's a huge interconnected web. It's not us being alone. And in through that web, things are showing up all the time that are incredible opportunities. Yeah. So I, I really like that part, you know, of what you were saying. And I liked how you said, uh, you know, that we don't have to get rid of our ego. You know, one of the, one of the great advantages of having an ego is that, you know, cause our ego is trying to keep us safe. Mm -hmm. So it's showing, it's showing us where we're afraid. Mm -hmm. And if we didn't have that kind of, you know, part of us talking, we wouldn't realize the fears that are, that are, you know, that we're, that are kind of, we're avoiding, mm -hmm. you know, without that side of us showing up, that, that side of us showing up gives us a chance to look directly at, at some fear we're holding. Mm -hmm. And then we get to decide how to respond to that. And when we respond to it, as you said, by embracing it, you know, with love, then we can move through it. And now all of a sudden we're more free in our life. And if our ego wasn't there showing us these things, we would just be more robotic, you know, I think, yeah. in how we operate. So, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And the ego helps us survive in the material world. So sometimes the ego helps, yeah. you know, helps you be practical too. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> I could probably use more of that, actually, that part of it. <laughs> okay. Come on. <laughs> ego, help me be more practical. Yeah. 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 Okay, great. This is this has been a fabulous conversation. Uh, you know, this this went to some places I didn't expect, and I think there's so many golden nuggets in here 
that for listeners to can apply in their own life. And maybe just to finish us off, I would love to hear from you, you know, people who are thinking, who are either in maybe a career crisis right now, you know, or thinking about a career change, thinking about trying to figure out, ah, what is this thing I would love to do? How do I even start with this? How do I even get moving on this? Mm -hmm. You know, do you have just a a couple, a couple tips that a couple final takeaways for people who are in this place? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the big thing is to start by just recognizing that you're not alone, that there are tons of people out there who feel the same way and they're struggling with the same thing. It's really easy to convince ourselves that it's again, because I did something wrong and there's something wrong with me. So just know that that's not the case. Um, and for me, the big thing is asking for help. So whether it's, you know, um, looking for resources, finding a coach or just working with friends and family to, to find help. Um, that's, I think that's really key. Um, and just the biggest thing that I, you know, the place that I, think it's to start is to really um get quiet and try to hear your hear your inner voice and the the easiest way i know to do that is to your body so just paying attention to your body i think is one of the biggest um game changers you can do so noticing how is your body feeling in different situations and um, that'll give you so much feedback about whether your body is saying yes to something whether it's saying no to something um where you're being pulled where you're being called um just listening to the body is a great place to start i think um, and if you want additional resources, you know, I have a free guide on my website, um, that folks are welcome to download and use. And I, you know, I offer different programs at different levels of investments as well. Um, like I said, it, it's not so much about where you get help, but there's something about saying yes to getting help. Um, however you can, that, that I think opens up a lot of doors. Oh yeah, I completely agree. You know, we get stuck in this idea that we have to figure everything out ourselves yeah. and just acknowledging and asking for help opens you to the help from the universe comic. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, those are great, great tips. So let's just recap. First of all, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. Second of all, ask for help. Third, feel your body and what your body's telling you. I love that you, you brought that up because you know, that's, that's intuition is a full body experience. Mm -hmm. You know, you're talking about is finding out what the messages are from your heart and your intuition. Mm -hmm. And that, that shows up in a full body experience. So I love those tips about feeling what feels, what is your body feeling in this situation? What feels good? What feels tight? What feels open? How does, how does your intuition speak to you? So that's a, that's a great tip. And then Meredith's website, if you want to follow her, read some of her fiction or get that free guide, it's meredithwalters.com. And she's got a lot of interesting programs. She's got some group programs and of course, some one-on-one help, whatever, however you feel, you know, follow your intuition to figure out what you think is going to help you the most in moving through this time. And I, I highly recommend Meredith. I've known her for years and have uh, worked with her as kind, and kind of, we did like a mutual coaching thing for a while. She's incredibly helpful. So I'm so glad we had this discussion. It was really yeah. a pleasure to speak with you. We haven't really, uh, you know, connected like this in a, in a long time since I left Atlanta. So, you know, it's been, it's been great. And just to, just to hear how much on the same page we are, you know, after all these years and, and where our, you know, thinking has, uh, this thinking has, has brought us in, uh, as we each try to follow our own heart and figure that out. I mean, it's just been great to see that. So thanks so much for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Yeah. Great program. Thanks for putting this out in the world. This is a gift too. This podcast. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you listeners. We really appreciate you making this part of our day and we'll be back for another show about creating love and profit in the near future. Much love. <laughs>